Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash Retro. and we're back for another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So how has your week been? Uh, not too bad. I picked up a, uh, a, a little-known game called Tears of the Kingdom on Friday, and uh, I, I haven't got to play it as much as I would have liked to, but I've, I've spent a decent amount of time with it. And I will say, w- without giving away spoilers... Very early in the game, it is incredible. I've loved everything about it. Um, it's it, the new abilities are really cool. I, I like the world a lot better. I know it's basically the same Hyrule as Breath of the Wild. Uh, there, there's something I don't know more fulfilling about exploring this time. Yeah, is it all like familiar areas and things like that? Um, for the most part, there are some areas that you know, like. It's not really a spoiler, but like the area around the castle is a little more populated because there aren't giant uh, <laughs> robots that are trying to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so that aspect is a little different, but I, I'm still very early in the game because I, I had a pretty busy weekend, so I didn't get to spend as much time as I would have liked with it. But I'm I'm loving it so far. Awesome. I want to get my copy. It's going to be a little while before I can get one. I'll use birthday money <laughs> to get my copy of it. Um, you don't have much longer to wait. I know two more weeks and I'll be 46 years old. Don't tell anybody though. I'm only, Hey, I'm your only, secret's safe with me. I'm only 32. I'm 32 and that's what I'm going to be the rest of my well, life. How, well, Hey, how am I older than you then? I don't know. <laughs> old man. <laughs> some, some weird, weird time displacement thing, I guess. Dude, I still have not finished Minish Cap <laughs> last night. I, I, well, I was, I've been spending the last week basically just going through the game and getting up all the power-ups that I need. Like, um, basically going... When you go through the game, there's these things that you get called... Um, uh, oh, man, what are they called? They're... Um, these thing, these little coins, like half coins that you get, and I can't believe I can't think of the name of it right now. Uh, kinship coin... Kinship something. 
And um, you go around and you talk to people, and they'll have a little thought bubble above their head. And you go up to them and you match kinstones with them. And if you have one that matches somewhere on the map, something will happen, like a you know a, a um, like a, mo- a high level monster might appear. That if you go kill it, you'll get like a ton of money, or you know like a treasure chest will drop, or sometimes you get stuff like um you can you get a little go catch a little butterfly and like you can dig faster like i just been going through the game to like everybody that i possibly could have missed to uh match kinstones with and just getting all the little extras throughout the game and um so last night i finally I think i did everything you could possibly do and um finally got to the the final boss and at the top of hyrule castle killed him um, helped Princess Zelda. Uh, you know, I changed her from stone back into a human. The castle started crumbling. We're getting out of the castle, and I'm like, "Oh, cool! I beat the game. I was just about to text you, and then the boss came back again, <laughs> and I died. And so I was like, "Damn it!" So I looked, and it was like almost midnight last night. I was like, "Man, I gotta work. Oh, wow. I gotta go. I gotta go to sleep." So I I saved it and I'm gonna go back maybe tomorrow afternoon and finish it up. Okay, that's cool. It is isn't it Vati that's the main villain of the game? Yeah, Vati. Or is it someone else? Oh, yeah, okay. Vati. And, uh, yeah, he, Vati's made a couple of appearances and it, it's yeah. he's a pretty cool character, like a good side villain besides you know Ganon, Ganondorf, whichever incarnation of him you prefer. He's a ridiculous boss. I'm just gonna say that. It seems like it. I, I'm. I wish I had started that game around the same time you did, because it's just like Tears of the Kingdom's going to be taking up the majority of my gaming time, except for whatever I'm going to review on the show. But I, I will start it eventually. I want to welcome everyone to the chat room right now. Thank you all you guys for hanging out with us. And uh, yeah, uh, we got Donner Party of Five, and we got Raven. Who was a new addition to the uh, the the Discord a couple of weeks ago, yeah. a month or so ago, and also Mr. Joey Image, who I do want to reveal on the show tonight that uh, we're, he's going to send me a little preview of a little thing we're going to be doing on the show now. Uh, about once a month, Joey's going to be uh, doing a little thing that's like wacky, wacky gaming news, and it's going to be a new little segment here on the show. So I can't wait to see what he gives us for uh, the the wacky news segment with Joey Image. See, I'm happy enough that Joey's doing a segment on the show, but the fact that it's <laughs> wacky gaming stories from Joey, even better. I like it. So he's going to send, yeah, us, send be us a little, uh, a little preview or a little teaser next week that I'm going to play. A taste. A little taste. But, I uh, like it. Yeah, it sounded like it was a Legend of Zelda weekend for the both of us. I caught some of your, uh, your original Legend of Zelda stream the other night. Yeah, I did want to say thank you to everybody who you know, took the time to to watch the stream. And I, we had a couple of technical difficulties, but still had a, a fun time. More people showed up than I expected, so maybe it'll be something I do again fairly soon. Yeah. See, I I wouldn't. I wish, kind of wish, I would have uh, streamed Minish Cap because that game is. Yeah. It, it, I think once you know what you're doing, that that game is pretty streamable because it, it is a is. It's really good, and I like it, and I wouldn't mind going through it again. Yeah, you should. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll warn everybody: this is going to be a very Zelda heavy episode. Yeah, so very, if you're not a Zelda much. fan, you're probably not going <laughs> to like the episode. 
But uh, speaking of that, you want ready to go into the news this evening? I I can't wait to talk about this first story. Here we go. And tonight's stories were submitted to us by me because nobody submitted any news stories this last last week. But in fairness, there wasn't a lot going on this last week. So if you have any stories you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And would you like to take this first one, Derek? Sure, I'd love to. So this, of course, comes to us from our favorite site, nintendolife.com. E.G. Anuma interested in Zelda movie after Mario's $1 billion box office success. The Mario movie by Illumination managed to bank more than $1 billion at the box office in just 26 days, seemingly opening the door for other movies set within the Nintendo universe. So how about a Zelda movie? In a recent interview with Polygon producer I.G. Anuma was asked if a big screen adventure starring Link could happen in the future. While he's definitely open to the idea, unfortunately, it takes more than just himself to get the ball rolling. Uh, When asked, he said, I have to say I am interested for sure, but it's not just me being interested in something that makes things happen, unfortunately. Maybe the voice of the fans will be what's important here. I like Nintendo listens to the fans. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) So we've talked about this off and on throughout, like, probably towards the beginning of the show. I personally think a Zelda series would be more feasible because the games are so lengthy and there's so much story involved. I don't know that you could tell a single Zelda game in a movie. The only one I think that would work would be the original game. And you'd have to even condense that down where maybe instead of going through, you know, eight dungeons Maybe like the Triforce of Wisdom is split in half. So Link has to go to two dungeons and then go fight Ganon. Mm. That's the only way I think it'll work. Yeah, I mean, I I think they should just let... Actually, I think they should bring you in to, to help write. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to listen to me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can get that hashtag going. Derek Diamond for Zelda series. Well, no lie. That's my ultimate like dream project. If I were making movies full time, that would be my number one dream would be to make a Zelda movie or a series. And Armez Jackson in the chat room says, well, excuse me, princess. (laughs) That's why I want you to do it. I know know you would find a way to squeeze that in there somewhere. Oh, you, (laughs) and you know that that would be put in there strictly for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I would, I'd be like Leo, Leo in the meme, be like, that's it. Yeah, That's just it. like that. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you'd probably text me something that I, I couldn't repeat on the show, but it yeah. would be funny. <laughs> uh, and this next story, speaking of Super Mario Brothers, from MyNintendoNews.com, Super Mario Brothers movie now has global total of 1.21 gigawatts, or no, I mean 1.21 <laughs> billion, currently fourth highest grossing animated movie ever. Nintendo and Illumination's uh, SMB movie has been entertaining fans and families for six weekends now, and Variety has revealed some updated sales figures. It has now a global total of $1.21 billion and is the fourth highest grossing animated film of all time, catapulting past uh, the 2015 animated movie Minions. A firm physical release date has not been announced as of yet by Nintendo, 
but I did see earlier today, I think it's going to be available um, for rental on demand at midnight tonight. I still think that's awful fast yeah. for that movie to come out on digital. Like, I, I get it. There will be people that are going to buy it. I'm still waiting for the physical release because, as we mentioned, I think last week, the physical releases normally come with a digital code anyway. So I'll have both. But this is one that, like, I want to have the physical copy of it. And it'd be cool if they did some kind of, like, a collector's edition that maybe comes in, like, a question mark block and has some cool features with it. Dude, they should do a DVD cover that looks like the original NES black box. Oh, that'd be sick. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be so cool. But this is, when the year is all said and done... I don't see anything being able to top this as the biggest surprise of 2023. No. No one I saw was predicting that this movie was going to do that well. The only thing I think that's going to beat it this year is uh, Fast 10. That's probably the only thing that's going to be able to beat it. Which is a shame, but... <laughs> Dude. I mean, the, the, the but people that... Don't knock those stupid movies till you try them. I... Was I was the same way as everybody else, like Fast and Furious movies. Those are so stupid. And a friend of mine got me into them, and I spent the last month collecting them all on DVD from thrift stores. I have the whole collection now. The, once you get to, like, part four, it just takes off into to just ridiculous yep. superhero land. Yeah, there you have to take those movies for what they are. <laughs> and the thing is, like... People go to see them because they make a boatload of money. So people that complain about them, like the the way you get those movies to stop being made is you don't go see them, but people are continuing to see them. Like, I, I remember when the original came out in theaters and that was like, that was a movie that like you had to go see because of the cool, you know, racing scenes and whatnot. Because I, I was, I was a freshman or a sophomore in high school when the first Fast and Furious came out. And that was a movie that, like, everybody at school talked about. Mm -hmm. Then the next few movies go by. It's not that great. But then all of a sudden, like, Fast Five is just where it got so ridiculous. And you just have to, if you've never watched them, just experience them. They're an experience. (laughs) Yeah. And I have no doubt it's going to make a ton of money. And they're completely self-aware at how ridiculous they are. And that's what I love about them. Yeah. Yeah, and especially because uh, I'm sure you've heard the post credit scene has has leaked, and it. I I, I won't spoil it for you, but okay. we'll say there's a there's a cool moment that okay. <laughs> I don't think anybody expected. All right. Well, I'll be there in the theater watching it. So you should uh you should live tweet it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And our last story comes to us from GoNintendo.com. Sega and Crocs reveal new Sonic-themed classic clogs and gibbets charms. (laughs) Today, Sega and Crocs announced the first ever Sonic the Hedgehog Crocs collab, including a new line of Sonic-themed classic clogs and gibbets charms. Collaboration was inspired by elements of the Sonic universe, including the franchise's famous gold rings, Chaos Emeralds, Chili Dogs, Supersonic Speed, and most importantly, his iconic red shoes. With the official Sonic gibbets charms, fans can give any Croc some Sonic style featuring Sonic and other fan favorite characters, including Tails, 
Amy Rose, Knuckles, and Shadow. The classic Sonic Clog are going for uh, $59.99. The uh, five-pack of the Charms is $19.99. I feel like the gaming universe is just like, it's throwing me a bone this week. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of into this. (laughs) I feel like I have to get a pair. I do, too. I do, too. I mean, it's so out there that it's like, how can you pass this up? And, like, I'm not a Crocs hater. I know a lot of people are, but, like, I've worn a pair before, and they're really not that bad. Yeah, they look weird, but, like, I, I'm, I guess I'm indifferent on Crocs, but I missed out on the, the Sonic replica shoes when Sonic 2 came out in theaters. So this might have to be a consolation. Dude, I almost bought a pair of Sonic slippers. Sonic the Hedgehog slippers the other day at um there there used to be this uh uh um costume shop here on the coast called Josette's and they closed down a while back and they had um what they're doing now is they're they said they're gonna do it about once every six months they call it the magic market or whatever and they're selling a lot of the old stuff that was in Josette's and uh, they do it at the Civic Center in Iberville, which is near here. And I went there, and they had a pair of Sonic the Hedgehog slippers. And it, they looked like, you know, the red Sonic sneakers. But they were like three sizes too small. I was like, damn it. If these were size 11 or 12s, I would have totally bought them. That's really cool, though. Like, I, I love little retro markets like that. You know, it's that that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, Donner says, uh, "Gotta go fast in Crocs." Fast. Question in Crocs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you're gonna be able to run very fast in these, though. No. Yeah, Raven says, "Never set foot into a Croc before," and Harmes Jackson says, "And I never will." I'm not gonna lie; they're really comfortable. <laughs> no, they're they're not that bad. Yeah, I, I had a pair several years ago, and then I I wore them out, yeah. so I haven't just haven't had any since. But these. Are, launch may 23rd so that's yeah that's next week Mm -hmm. so pre-order yours now yeah that reminds me so i listened i was catching up on uh, the play retro podcast Mm -hmm. and brian dunaway was talking about a conquer's bad fur day vinyl that came out i meant to mention that to you because i heard that too yeah but by the time he tried to get it it was already sold out. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, I couldn't find it anywhere, but the, the cover art looked really cool. It, it looked like a, like a cover of a children's book. <laughs> and just in the background, you have a giant pile of poop <laughs> with an evil <laughs> grin on his face. If I would have known about it, I would have bought it for you and gave it to you like as a birthday or a Christmas present. Ah, uh, that would have been great. But I had no My wife idea. would not allow me to display that in, <laughs> in our house at all, but I'd still, still love to have it. I still have that Castlevania vinyl that you got for me for Christmas yep. like six years ago. I still yep, I remember that. I've never opened it. Like, it's still in the plastic. Like, I just, I don't want to open it because it's so cool looking. I remember finding that and just instantly I'm like, Christmas gift for yep. Jason. <laughs> but dude, I'm serious. If I didn't know, I didn't, had no idea about that, the Conqueror's Bad Fur Day vinyl. Yeah, I didn't either. Always finding There's, out about stuff too late. That uh, I think that same website did a uh, a single vinyl of the Peaches song oh. from 
<laughs> and it the, the cover art it just says Bowser in like heavy metal style lettering. Yeah. And then you pop in it is a love song. <laughs> Peaches, 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 peaches. peaches. <laughs> oh man, I love that so much. But uh, uh, it's it's great. You ready to go into this month of video game history? Yes, sir. On May sixth of nineteen eighty six, Infocom releases the highly regarded Trinity. I remember us, we've talked about this several times. Yeah, May, so there's a couple of months out of the year where video game history is very light, Mm -hmm. and May is one of them, so if you hear a lot of, like, the repeat stories, it's because there's nothing else that happened in May. But yeah, I remember the the cover art specifically. Yeah, it looks really cool. Like, it looks like it would be like a mist type of game. You know the the cover art reminds me of like it would be a down a Dan Brown novel. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Let's see, May eleventh of nineteen ninety five, the introduction of the trade magazine Game Week. At the time, it was called Video Game Advisor. I do not I, remember that. Yeah, and it says here that it was the leading trade publication of its time, and to this day remains huh. the last printed trade publication which served the North American market. I knew of a lot of gaming magazines, but I never heard of this one before. I haven't either. I mean, there was Electronic Gaming Monthly, there Monthly. was Game Pro, but I don't remember this at all. Game Informer? Yeah. Uh, let's see, May <laughs> 11th through 13th, the first annual triple, uh, the E3 Electronic Entertainment Expo is held in Los Angeles, California. Man, I can't believe that went all the way back to 1995. I thought that was like 2000 when it started. Has there been anything that has died a slower death than E3? (laughs) Like, that that was one of the, like, three things out of the year that I would really look forward to, because that's when we would get all the big announcements from all the different companies. And if you look back at it, Nintendo kind of started the trend of not showing up at E3. Yep. And now it's, you know, I know it was canceled for this year, but I, I think E3 is done. Well, they should have taken uh, the pandemic and just been like, all right, this is our out. This is our way to stop E3 because no one wants to go to E3 anymore. No one uh, releases, you know, like, I mean, Nintendo already left. They already do their, uh, you know, monthly, um, what are they called? The, The directs. The directs. I mean, Xbox, Microsoft, Sony, they already release stuff just when they want why are they going to save everything up for E3? Because it's just, it's a big money sink for them. That's why Nintendo didn't do it anymore. It's like, why are we spending all this money to go to E3 when we could just do it ourselves? I mean, we have the internet now. There's no reason to have an E3. And then they tried to come back this year, and it was just an embarrassment because nobody wanted to go. Yeah, it was bad. And I, I truly felt bad because, like I said, E3 was a like a very known event in the mm-hmm. gaming world. Cause I remember when I'd get home from school, the first thing I would do is go to a computer and look at what was being announced at E3 whenever that would happen. But with the, you know, advancement of the internet and now everybody has the ability to kind of just do their own thing. 
mm-hmm. it's just a lot easier that way. Yeah, and they like, can do it on their own time. Yeah, like Sony or, you know, Microsoft has enough money where they could just do a single day, you know, where they rent out, you know, some, uh, like some sort of, or not even rent out, they probably have their own, like, sort of streaming TV studio. They hire somebody to come in, you know, like Paris Lilly, who was on, I think he was on this show a long time ago. One and of the he, first episodes. And he was, uh, he was the announcer for that Microsoft thing they did a couple of years ago. And uh, just have him come on and just announce everything coming up in the next year. Like, it'd be so much easier than spending literally tens of millions of dollars to, to go to E3 for no reason. Like, in a perfect world, would it be cool to go to E3? Sure. But that's not the time we live in anymore. Yeah. But that would have been a thing, like, I would have loved to have gone to E3 in its heyday. Mm-hmm. That would have been so cool. Yeah, I would love to have been going to E3, like, back in the late 90s, when just when everything was exploding. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been so fun. And wrapping up this month in video game history, on May 14th of 2003, Shiny Entertainment releases Enter the Matrix for Windows, GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox. The thing I remember most about this game was the the cutscenes, because they actually filmed like scenes as if it were part of the Matrix movies yeah. for the video game, because they were, I think, included as a bonus feature on like a DVD or some kind of extra. I think, did I have it for, I remember I played it, I think I had it for the X, original Xbox. Either It was either for the original Xbox or my roommate's PlayStation 2, but I did play it, and man, that game was so good. I wish they would do a remaster of that. That would be cool. The time to have done it would have been when that new movie came out a couple yeah, no. of years ago. You want to know something? I still haven't seen that movie. <laughs> hey, you're not missing a whole lot. That's kind of what I get it, from that. It's one of those movies that, like, I wanted it to be good. And it just, I liked what they were doing. They just didn't execute it right. Exactly. But but yeah, th- this came out around the time Matrix Reloaded uh, was released in theaters because the Matrix, you know, when it growing up in the 90s, like the Matrix was a huge movie, like it invented a lot of technology that is used in movies today that we think is commonplace. The Matrix, no pun intended, revolutionized it. And then, of course, you know, the sequels, the anticipation for those were at an all time high, whether or not they were good. Is up for debate, but you go back and look the, at the CGI in those last two movies, the second and third. Enter. Uh, what was the second one? Revolution. Uh, uh, Re- Reloaded and Revolutions. Yeah, those two. Man, that CGI does not hold up too well these days. But the the first one still holds up. It's still a. The first one's one of my favorite movies of all time. That first one is still a perfect sci-fi movie. mm Hmm. Yeah, it's it's in the upper tier of best sci-fi movies ever made. Absolutely. Uh, but before we go into the review for tonight, Derek, would you like to do our shout-out? Absolutely. As always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Raven, Danny House, Justin Nispel, John West, Daniel Salmon, Mr. B-Rez Coffee himself, Mike Eveland. Also, happy belated birthday happy to birthday. Mr. Eveland. Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, Armez Jackson, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, 
Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, and Mama Diamond herself, Donna Diamond. Of Mama course, happy Diamond. belated Mother's Day to her and to yeah. all all moms. All you mamas out there. Yep, all you mamas out there. Uh, yeah, if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro for as little as a dollar a month. You get early access to our fun commentary tracks like Animaniacs, Tailspin, DuckTales, Batman the Animated Series, live action movies like Clue and Christmas Vacation. The list is pretty epic as far as the stuff we've done. And also I want to say um, thank you to uh, Mr. Joey Image, because um, we will be able, instead of doing our uh, poll, we're going to go ahead and do the Ninja Turtles for this month, because he gave us a, a complex way of, of watching the show. So if you have the DVDs or, you know, you have the Ninja Turtles saved somewhere, you'll be able to follow along with us. And if, and if you don't have them, I mean, they're only like 99 cents a piece on Apple TV. So you'll be able to follow along with us. But we're going to go ahead and do that for this month because we've really been looking forward to doing the Ninja Turtles cartoon. And I don't want to keep putting it off. I just want to go ahead and do it. Yeah, we're no longer perplexed yeah. on how to watch the Ninja <laughs> Turtles. So, again, thank you to all our awesome patrons for keeping the lights on for us here at the show. And for as little as a dollar a month, you get early access to those commentary tracks. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media information, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, so we can give you a proper shout out. Hey, Derek, have you heard the news? What news? We officially have our very own line of coffee at brezcoffeeco.com. That's right. Nerd Cave Retro now has its very own medium roast coffee. If you want to try it yourself or even some of the other awesome flavors like Wizard's Potion, which is a butterscotch, caramel, and hazelnut flavored roast. Or the Dragon's Breath Roast, which is a cinnamon dolce flavored roast. They have tons of different flavors, and you can also just get a regular Colombian roast and add any flavor to it that you want. They even keep their seasonal roasts all year round. If you need that boost to get you through those all-night gaming sessions, then head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the promo code NCR for 10% off your order. And tonight, Derek, actually, we're just going to go ahead and say we're revisiting... Why are you here? <laughs> and the, this the show does not fit your demographic if you don't know what that music is. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought with Tears of the Kingdom coming out and my reinvigorated love for Zelda, I thought it would be cool to go back and revisit the original Legend of Zelda game, the one that started it all, which was originally released in Japan February 21st of 1986 and then was released in North America August 22nd of 1987. Of course, it's an action, action adventure game developed and published by Nintendo. The first game of the Legend of Zelda series It is set in the fantasy land of Hyrule and centers on an elf-like boy named Link who aims to collect the eight fragments of the Triforce of Wisdom in order to rescue Princess Zelda from the antagonist known as Ganon. So we've talked about Zelda a lot during the, the course of this show. You know, when you asked me to do the show back in 2016, I knew instantly the game that I wanted to review, which was Link to the Past. But 
I can go back to this game specifically and and a lot from my life has spawned from me playing this game. First of all, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it weren't for The Legend of Zelda. I wouldn't be a gamer if it wasn't for The Legend of Zelda. A lot of my interest in medieval and you know fantasy type you know, material like Lord of the Rings, uh, more recently Game of Thrones and like the King Arthur story, mm-hmm. that all spans from Zelda. So the the Zelda fandom is like it's up there with Star Wars is probably the most important fandom in, in my 36 years of being on this earth. I mean, I I don't disagree <laughs> at all. Uh, the weird thing is, uh, this one isn't even technically the first game from <clears throat> as far as the the lore of Legend of Zelda. This is what like this would be what like number four <laughs> or something like that. Like it's it's almost as bad as Final Fantasy if you look at the timeline of the Zelda games. Yeah, and I excuse me, I get. I get people's frustration with the whole timeline situation. It like they've kind of make it made sense, but also it kind of doesn't that there's some definite, definite flaws. The way I've always interpreted it is by the, the title legend, like legend is a iteration of a specific tale. So I look at it as just a different take on a central story, which involves Link, Zelda, and Ganon, or Ganondorf. It's like they're destined to keep doing this throughout time. Which they actually do explain in the Skyward Sword game. Because you haven't played Skyward Sword, have you? No, I haven't. I, I, I want to, but I just don't know if I could get into that one. It, it's not a bad game. It's just very short. Yeah. But um, story-wise, it's very important because chronologically, it's the first game in the timeline, and it explains the reincarnation of Link, Zelda, and Ganon. So it it is an important game, but kind of getting back to this game specifically, I went back a couple of weeks ago before Tears of the Kingdom came out because I I wanted to play through another Zelda game to kind of... You know, get in the headspace for Tears of the Kingdom, if you will. And I was like, well, I've played Link to the Past a lot. I played Link's Awakening fairly recently. I sure as heck ain't playing The Adventure of Link. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I haven't played the original in a long time. And it it's still... The controls are a little clunky, but a lot of NES games to me are because I'm more of a, a Super Nintendo fan. Though I there are some NES games that I like, but you adjust to it. Like you yeah. you pretty much had to with games of that era, but this is one and it's probably partially because of muscle memory. Mm. I got it back into it, you know. Well, that's the quickly. thing. I mean, this is the proto you know, like this set the stage and game mechanics for everything that came afterwards. You know, and it is kind of weird to go back and and play it after having played other games. Like, you know, if you go play Link to the Past or even Minish Cap like I'm playing now, and then you play Link's Awakening or something, and then you go back to this original game, and it does take a little bit to kind of get back into the way it plays. But 
at the same time is like what they did with this game at the time is nothing short of a miracle because no, there was yep. nothing like this before this game and the sheer scope and size of this game at the time was mind bending. And you could save. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot of games and even super Nintendo games that you didn't have the ability to save. You had to put in a password and that's why I would get frustrated because like Zelda did it in 1986. Why can't you do it in 1994? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, th- this set the standard for not just future Zelda games, but other adventure games like it. Because it's the base model, I think, that a lot of adventure games are based off of that top-down view where you go through different objectives with your dungeons and finding specific items that aid you you know, in that dungeon and through future ones. And the the thing about this game too that's pretty cool that a lot of people don't that people forget it's not exactly linear like you don't have to go to dungeon 1 you could go to dungeon 2 or 3 it's going to be harder but you could still do it and that's why like when people were not saying breath of the wild was not revolutionary when it comes to zelda but it wasn't the first non-linear zelda game yeah, which is interesting because it it took them forever to go back to that. Mm-hmm. Because you know, Link to the Past, you think of that as it's it's linear. Yeah, Link's Awakening's linear. Ocarina of Time's linear, but this this game isn't, and it it is one of the most important games in the history of gaming. And I'm not just saying that as a Zelda fan. But I think adventure games as we know it would not be what they are if not for what Nintendo did with this game. Yeah. And Armas, Armas Jackson in the chat room says adventure on the 2600 was a console uh, game changer, but Legend of Zelda took that formula to legendary status. And I do agree with that a little bit. I, I had adventure for the 2600, and even though it was ki- kind of the same, not really open world, but... I don't really know how to explain it. it. I mean, it was an adventure game. You had to go through and get, you know, the a chalice, and then you get keys to open doors for different castles, and you're avoiding dragons and things like that. But it was very, very primitive. And Legend of Zelda sort of took that, and just there, there's only a couple of years difference between Adventure, which came out in like 1979, I think, or somewhere around there, and you had Legend of Zelda, which I think came out in, what, like, 84 in Japan? Or 85? Came out in 86 in Japan. 86 in Japan. I mean, that's, you know, that's seven years difference. And it's like night and day, man. If I could ever interview Shigeru Miyamoto, I would love to ask him two questions. The inspiration behind this game, and looking back on it, you know, now, like 36 years later, would he expect it to be as big as it is? Because people forget, like, Zelda has a pretty vocal fan base. Mm-hmm. And it, the thing, too, is that uh, there, there's there's so much to, to say about this game that I'm kind of getting <laughs> lost in my own thoughts. Well, Shigeru but... Miyamoto already did an interview about Legend of Zelda, what his inspiration was. And he said his inspiration was when he from when he was a kid and he would explore 
the woods, like around, you know, where he lived and everything. And just that sense of discovery and wonder, you know, yeah, and you're just right. all that. And he just wanted to put that experience in a video game. And I think he nailed it completely. Oh, for sure. Because, completely. It, you know, 30 plus years later, after going back and playing this game to its completion, I don't know that I would put it in my top five, but it would definitely be in like the six or seven range for my what I think are the best Zelda games because it still plays great for an NES game. And I don't mean that as a detriment, but the cool thing about this game is that, as I was mentioning, you don't have to go on a set path mm. like you can go around Hyrule and kill different enemies to build up your rupees so you can go ahead and get your shield upgrade, um, your armor, all that stuff. Because I found that was the smart thing to do. The trick is when you upgrade your sword especially, it depends on the number of heart containers you have. Mm -hmm. So if you have six, you can get the white sword. And then if you have 12, you can get the magic sword, which you find in the graveyard. So what I would do is I found a, an overworld map and there are several hidden heart containers, but you have to have the candle to burn specific trees on the map. Mm. And you have the option of taking a potion or a heart container. You take the heart container. You can you have to go through the first dungeon with the, the original sword, but you can find enough after that that you can just go straight to, you know, the, the other old man. There's a lot of old men in this game that you get stuff from, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but then you get the white sword and you can go to dungeon two and you can go through it, you know, pretty easily. Yeah. And um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh yeah. I was going to say if you've never played, if, if you like the Zelda games, and you've never played the original legend of Zelda for the NES. Would you suggest if somebody's coming at it brand new and has never played it, would you suggest a walkthrough or just to dedicate uh, time to it to explore. Because that was what the fun of it was when I was a kid. I had the time to just sit and explore this game and find all the, the secrets. But now, as an older man and a gamer, I just don't have that kind of time to put into to these type of games anymore. I would say, worst case scenario, find an overworld map. Or just, you know, a, a map of the dungeons, because that's what I did, especially with the later ones, because I, I could kind of remember the first couple from memory. But once I got to Dungeon 4, I'm like, I I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, Joe Heyman says, what was Error doing during Lord of uh, during Legend of Zelda 1? <laughs> that that would make a great short film when you, is the, the journey of Error. That like, would, what, what was Error doing? Until make, he met Lincoln Zelda 2. That would make a really good comic strip, like Error from Legend of Zelda. <laughs> that should have been a Nintendo Power yeah. back in the day when they did the little little mm -hmm. comic shorts. Yeah. That would have been really cool. But one of my proudest gaming moments, and I've dabbled into it on the show, but I never beat this game as a kid because by the time I was introduced to it, it was close to the time that the Super Nintendo launched. So I went right into Link to the Past. And that was when my love of Zelda really exploded, was from that game. But Nintendo re-released a lot of the black box games 
on the Game Boy Advance, and one of them, uh, it, you know, was like Mario Brothers was one, Zelda was the other. And that's when I played through again, and I beat it. And it was very similar to how you reacted when you beat, I think it was Ninja Gaiden, yeah. <laughs> on your live stream during the pandemic. I was like, I couldn't believe that I did it. Mm-hmm. And the, the funny thing is, is when you're fighting Ganon, like, of course, you know, you have to have the silver arrows, which you get in Death Mountain. A lot of it is kind of luck because he keeps vanishing and reappearing. Yeah. Almost have to just hack and slash at the at the map and just hope you hit him. And then you hit him with a certain number of magic arrows and he's he's toast. I like watching so that, speed runs of Legend of Zelda. Yes. Do someone beat Tears of the Kingdom in an hour and a half? I know. How? How did and it, it was one, only been out for like a day. <laughs> one how and two why. Like that's not a game you speed run. Like that's a game you take the time. Like I've played it for a few hours and I've barely made it through anything because I'm just exploring. Like I, I, don't, I don't I don't understand it. I don't it know. makes no sense to me. But yeah, the the cool thing, you know, about this game too is that it, it introduces a lot from the like in the adventure genre like the the weapon collecting you know but the funny thing is is that you didn't have to have the um you know how zelda has this formula where you find a specific weapon in a dungeon and you have to use that in order to beat the boss or get through some kind of objective that wasn't really a thing in this game and i think i was a little surprised by that because i couldn't remember it Mm. so like you get the bow the bow in dungeon one you have to purchase the arrow separately so unless you've done that you can't use it Mm -hmm. but you don't have to use it to beat you know the the dragon you fight at the end so i i thought that was kind of interesting so it it didn't lay out every single like formulaic zelda thing that we know about but it laid out a lot and and that's something that I I later in later games especially like um I guess they started it in two, but you know, when you have like Kakariko Village or however you pronounce it, like in uh um Link to the Past and then of course that village has gone on, you know, through the throughout the the games and you have different villages you can come across and villagers. That's other aspects of the games, the later games that I like, especially things like Minish Cap where you can go to these little towns and you can purchase things and, you know, upgrade stuff. Like, I like that type of stuff, especially even Breath of the Wild. Like, one of my favorite things to do in that game was cooking. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, when when you go back to the original Legend of Zelda, like, I miss that stuff in that game. Like, the fir- very first Legend of Zelda, yeah, the game's huge, it's fun, but it's just constant fighting, like, all the time. Yeah, there's no town to go to yeah. or like an inn that you can stay in to heal yourself. There's one fairy fountain on the entire map that you have to go to, and it's guarded by a ton of moblins. Mm-hmm. So if you're starting out at the very beginning when you only have three hearts and you just have the, the one sword, you're you're in for a rough day at the office. <laughs> But I would say, to go back to your earlier question about using a walkthrough, I think someone who has never played this game before, I think it would be a good idea because of the sheer amount of stuff that you have to collect, which is funny because it pales in comparison to 
stuff you collect in like Breath of the Wild or heck, even back in Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. But a lot of the items are hidden, tricky locations. Like I mentioned, you know, under certain trees that you have to burn with the candle, there's a certain gravestone you have to move in the graveyard to find the old man with the magic sword. Mm -hmm. And the dungeons especially. Like, the final dungeon where you fight Ganon is huge. Like, dungeon one and two are... they're, They're pretty small. But if you don't have the map especially in Death Mountain, you're going to get lost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. And the, you find, like, some of the bosses that you fight earlier in the game are just in random rooms. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's where you're like, because I remember looking at a map of Death Mountain, and I'm like, that thing was a boss a few dungeons <laughs> ago, and now it's just a a normal enemy. But that's just crazy when you go back and think about <clears throat> what this game did for the the Nintendo. I mean, as important as Mario is to the Nintendo franchise, I think Link is just Link and Zelda are just as important um, to the longevity of Nintendo. I mean, he, he Link and Zelda they may, may not be as recognize easily recognizable as you know as far as pop culture goes to people, but man. Like these games have set all almost all like adventure games like owe everything to this one particular game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you were to make a short list of the most important games in the history of video games, I think the original Donkey Kong is up there because it introduces Mario. Mm-hmm. The original Mario Brothers, because it introduces, maybe not introduces, but it puts the platforming genre on the map. Yeah. And this puts the adventure game on the map. Like, I think it was Armas Jackson in the chat mentioned playing adventure for the Atari. Mm. And then Zelda took it to, no pun intended, legendary status. Yeah. But it, it's still it's still a great game to go back and play. You know, if you're like a casual fan of these games or you're not a Zelda fan you may not appreciate it as much because a lot of the succeeding games honestly play much better but for an NES game and this was made in you know the mid 80s it still plays great I like the look of it like it the backgrounds are very simple the enemies look very simple like everything is very you know it has that 8-bit feel to it but I think it still looks great for what it is. I still say it's it's years ahead of its time. Oh, for sure. And not to mention, you know, the overworld theme is one of the most iconic songs in not just Zelda, but in video games. With music being so important, especially during that era of the 80s and 90s, maybe just outside of the Mario theme, the overworld theme from Zelda might be the most recognizable easily the second most yeah and then it's just it's been great to see the evolution of this series and i know i'm a fan so i'm biased but the evolution in storytelling of this game and like the, i'm talking about the individual games not the overall timeline but I, i've wanted a zelda movie or a series for years because i think the zelda model would be great 
You look at what Amazon did with the Lord of the Rings show. You look at the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You look at Game of Thrones. It can be done. Why, <laughs> why, can, why can't that be Zelda? I think it would be hugely successful. Mm-hmm. I, I, you get no, you get 100% agreement out of me. Like, it blows my mind that there has not been at least some sort of anime at this point about Legend of Zelda. Well, the the cartoon series aside, yeah, that, other than that's, that. that's, that's kind of its, its own thing. But uh, and, there, and for Joey in the chat room, I don't think there was a difference between the U.S. and the Japanese version. I think they were pretty much exactly the same. That does remind me of one other thing I wanted to say. Another cool quality about this game was the second quest. There's a whole other mm-hmm. game that's inside of it. If you name your character Zelda. The the map's a little different. The dungeons are in different locations. The layouts are different. Because I, I did that by accident when I was going back to play through it. I just like, oh, I'll just name my character Zelda. And then I went to the first dungeon and it said like level four. I'm like, wait a minute. And then I thought to myself, oh, you're an idiot. You're playing the second quest. Yeah, because I was going to say, I never started a new game after defeating it. Don't you start with everything that you got from the first game in the second playthrough? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. Maybe uh, there's got to be some other Zelda, uh, hardcore Zelda players that that know the answer to that. Because I never started a second playthrough after defeating it. That might be my next major Zelda objective is to play through the second quest because I've never really played it because I've the first game is so long and it takes a while to get through <laughs> that. It's like, yeah. I don't want to play through the whole thing again, <laughs> but, uh, but man, I love talking Zelda, but we're coming up on the hour. Yeah, this flew by. I did. So uh, it really did. What, what number grade would you give this game? Um, I would give, so uh, overall, I think it's, it's still one of the greatest games ever made. And that's saying a lot because I think a lot of the sequels are better, but we've talked about the significance of this game and how important it is to the world of video games. I would give it, I'd give it a solid nine. It's really good. And I, I had fun going back and, and streaming it, you know, it's, that and just going back and playing through it kind of renewed my love of that game specifically because we talk so much about Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, Breath of the Wild. We don't give the original a ton of love, and we should. Yeah. And they said in the chat room, Raven said, uh, no, you start fresh. Donner said, no saves either. And Armez Jackson says, I've started and then rage quit that second <laughs> quest so many times. Uh Wow. Maybe I should maybe I should stream that, but I might have to put a parental advisory yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of it. I agree with you though. I mean, there is not much to find uh wrong with this game. I mean, if you look at the time, I mean, yeah, it's a little simplistic compared to everything that came after, but the but for fun- its time. Yeah, for the fundamentals of Zelda games are there, and it's worth going back and checking out. And it's definitely worth it it's a must have in anyone's NES library. And I hate the fact that people are charging like $60 for a copy of this for the NES now. And it's like, why? There were millions of these sold. Why are these not like, you know, $5 a piece? Oh, that that extra rare gold cartridge. Yeah. 
<laughs> that you there were only... that I could probably find three of at the retro gaming store down the road. From yeah, there here. were only like thirty million of them sold back in the eighties. Now, if you find a gray one, yeah, now we're talking. That's the one that nobody has because they only made like a couple hundred thousand of them, and you can't find them. But I don't, I don't get the collecting market. I just yeah, don't get I don't it either. anymore. Um, but that, yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of the, uh, the review, I think. Yep. And I do want to give a huge shout out and I wanted to show you this, Derek. Uh, you haven't seen this yet, but, uh, Trav, our good friend, Travis Martin, it was at Trav in the discord sent me and you some, Oh, that's awesome. Metroid keychains, some 16 bit cool. Metroid keychains. So I'm going to drop yours in the mail this week. And uh, okay. huge thank you to him for these. Yeah, and, thank um, you so much. That's awesome. Yeah, these are great. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm showing it. You can see it in the camera there. Yeah, they're so awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll drop. Yeah, yours thank in you the, so uh, much. I'll drop yours in the mail this week, so you'll get it in the next couple of days. Oh, cool. Thank you. But uh, before we go, what's going on with the Derek Diamond experience? Yes, yeah, so coming up on the season finale, which will be at the end of the month. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do yet with it, but I'll be making that announcement probably in the next week or so. Uh, I had the pleasure of chatting with an actress based out of London named Amber Doig Thorne, who uh, I'm sure you've heard of it, but there was a, a horror spinoff of the Winnie the Pooh franchise. Yeah. <laughs> she was one of the leads in that movie. So oh, cool. We, we had a we had a fun chat about it and the making of it. So it's it's pretty wild. So uh yeah, go check that out on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. Just head over to linktree.com slash D Diamond Podcast. And next Saturday is the next screening of the feature. So if you're in the Pensacola area, you can get your tickets uh, now. Just head over to uh So Diamond Events on Facebook and you can find the ticket link there. You got the coolest last name to put for stuff, man. You just better be thankful your last name is Diamond because it just goes good with everything. <laughs> uh, I didn't choose it, so it's it's my it's my cross to bear. Um, but uh, but go check out the Open Micers podcast at Open Micers Twitter and Instagram. Last week we had a talk with Dante himself, Mister Brian O'Halloran. Great one episode, my, by the way. One of my favorite episodes we've ever done. And if you're a fan of the clerks animated series. He let you in on a little bit of uh news about that. What's going on with the clerks animated series. So go check that out and you'll be in the know. You'll be able to, if, if you're in a conversation with people about clerks and they're like, man, I love that clerks animated series. And you're like, well, I just heard the other day, blah, 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 blah. You want to be the smartest guy in the room. So if you want to be the smartest guy or gal in the room, go listen to open micers podcast right now. Yeah, it was a great episode. I, I, it's one that I could tell that you and Jacob were just having a ball. <laughs> I was making fun of him the whole. I mean, he was playing <laughs> into it, but I was making fun. of I was him about so to say, <laughs> but it was a fun episode. Yeah, go check it out. It, and it's it was so fun to do, and I love having Brian on the show. And um, so yeah, go check it out. It was a really good episode. But that's pretty much gonna do it for this week. Is there anything else we need to throw out there before we leave? I think that's it. Oh, wait. Let me go look on our Patreon real quick while I'm here and see what our... Oh, yeah. We got to announce the top five list. Yeah, we got to do the top five. Here we go. Uh, Let's see. Top five suggestions. 
And the clear runaway winner is top five co-op NES games. Okay. So next week, get us your list. You have it until Sunday the, what is today? The Today is, today is the 15th. 15th. And Sunday will be... The 21st. 21st. So you have until May 21st to get us your top five list. We'll be doing top five co-op NES games. And I'll uh, I'll drop that in the Discord, too, under our top five uh, category. And if you haven't joined our Discord, what are you doing? Go go to NerdCaveRetro.com and click the Discord link there. It'll take you right to our Discord. You become a part of our awesome little community we've got going over there. So go join. And next week is our top five co-op NES games. And after that, I still it's still at 40 and 40%. There's a tie between Beavis and Butthead and X-Men Mutant Apocalypse. So, Derek, right now, which would you rather me do? Beavis and Butthead for the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis or X-Men Mutant Apocalypse for the Super Nintendo? I think I got to go with X-Men. All right. Well, my next review is going to be X-Men Mutant Apocalypse for the Super Nintendo. Have we reviewed an X-Men game? I don't think we have. I don't think we have either. So I will not touch that X-Men NES game because that thing is a pile of of goo. <laughs> it's terrible. I I can imagine there's so. Not even, I don't think there's anything to review. It's just terrible. That's my review. It's awful. Don't even bother. <laughs> Shortest Nerd Cave retro yeah. episode ever. <laughs> but, uh, but that's going to do it for this week. Let me go jump over to our... Ending stuff here, and if you'd like to, e- if you want to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com, and go check out our merch at ncrmerch.com, where we've got T-shirts, hats, stickers, magnets, bags, mugs, and whatever your nerdy little heart desires. Follow us on social media at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, and at derek underscore diamond. Join our Patreon, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, you can't do that. We understand times are tough. Leave us a review and or a five-star rating on all podcasting platforms. Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. How appropriate. Exactly. the power glove it's so bad this podcast is a zoo house llc production tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.